that's okay if you may want to look on with someone nearby, that'd be fine. John chapter number three. Once again, if you're our guest today, we want to thank you so much for being with us, and uh, it's great to have uh, Mrs. Doreen Gandy with us today, and, and David, and of course, Eric. Uh, Dave's uh, from West Virginia, right? You guys down West Virginia way, and, and uh, of course, you continue to pray for the Gandy family, the loss of Brother Dave, and <clears throat> I know they'd appreciate that, and it's great to have these folks with us. Uh, John chapter number three, and a very familiar passage. In fact, probably the most familiar passage in all the Bible is John chapter number three. Let's stand together. We'll read just a few ber- verses. John chapter number 3, and we'll begin reading in verse number 9. John chapter 3, beginning in verse number 9. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak what we do know, and testify what we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe, if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I want you to turn your attention. I know many of you could quote it, but if you have a Bible open in front of you, I want you to see it with your own eyes. Verse number 16. Don't ever get used to it. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. A very simple theme this morning. I just want to preach to you in a few few minutes on this subject, the amazing love of God. The amazing love of God. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd help us in these next few moments. I can think of no better theme on which to preach than the love of God. I can think of no more amazing topic uh, than to, to talk about the, the wonderful, uh, magnificent, unbelievable love that you showed toward us. Not just love that you possessed for us, but the love that you demonstrated for us when you sent your only son to Calvary 2,000 years ago. I pray that you'd help us this morning. For those here who are saved, for those of us who are on our way to heaven, Father, may we, for a few moments, bask in the love of God and be reminded that we love him because he first loved us. Father, for those here this morning who may not know the Savior, I pray that the love of God would, uh, would shine in their hearts this morning and that they would understand that because of such great love, they can have eternal life in heaven. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> you can be seated. This is without question one of the most familiar passages in the Bible. Of course, from the earliest recollections I have of growing up in church, I heard John 3.16. I heard Sunday school teachers uh, talk about and, and quote and teach me to memorize John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. How much did he love the world? You, you really can't explain it. He just so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave. 
He didn't just love the world with a feeling. He loved the world with an action. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse number 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That word commendeth means God, he demonstrated it. He, uh, he, he put it on display for us. Uh, yes, it was one thing for God to say, I love you. It was another thing for him to show us how much he loved us. It was one thing for God, <coughs> uh, by prophet Barge foretold, and by uh, Old Testament uh, uh, writings and so forth, and by prophets who penned words and, and, uh, and spoke of God's love for his people. It was one thing for us to read those things, but 2,000 years ago, when a little baby was born in Bethlehem's manger, God demonstrated in a very tangible way to us the words, I love you. I love you. The most beautiful words in all the world for God so loved the world. You'll never hear any better news than that this morning. For God so loved the world. Not just the world, <clears throat> God loves the people in the world. You see, it's one thing to say, well, I understand, I can grasp the idea and I can grasp the concept that God loves the world. There are 7 billion plus people in the world uh, by latest, uh, uh, the uh, latest count. Uh, man, that's a, that's a heap of people. Man, 7 billion people, are you kidding me? It's not just God loves the world, it's God loves me. God loves me. Uh, you know, most of you have, uh, were taught the song at a very early age, Jesus loves me, this I know. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Hey, I'm, I'm simply saying, I don't care where you go. I don't care how much learning you acquire. I don't care how much education you acquire. You'll never hear any better news than that. Jesus loves me. God loves you this morning. Doesn't matter who you are, God loves you. It doesn't matter where you came from. God loves you. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. God loves you. It doesn't matter your social standing in this world. I apologize. God loves you. God loves you. Hey, you can be the richest man in Oakland County today, and God loves you. Or you can be the poorest of the poor in our society today, and God loves you. It doesn't matter how you got here this morning. If you rode in here on a Cadillac, <clears throat> or a church bus, or a skateboard, or if you walked to church, God loves you. The great God of heaven loves you. If your past is squeaky clean, God loves you. If your past is as wicked as hell itself, God loves you. The truth is, <clears throat> don't, don't miss this. Now, there's not one good thing that you can do this morning that would cause God <clears throat> to love you any more than he loves you right now. Think about that. Think about that. Oh, pastor, if I could just, if I could just do something to, to show my worth to God, you can't do anything because you're a sinner and I'm a sinner. Hey, I can try to impress God all I want to. That's not going to work. 
God's not impressed with my righteousness because the Bible says that my righteousness is as filthy rags as far as he's concerned. He's a holy God and a just God and a righteous God and there's nothing that I can do in this sinful flesh of mine that would impress his righteousness or impress his holiness or impress his, his justice because I'm a sinner. And as a sinner, I fall under the condemnation of that sin. And there's nothing that I can do that would merit his goodness. I'm simply saying that, however, there's not one good thing that you can do this morning that would cause God to love you any more than he does right now. By the same token, there's not one sin that you can commit that would cause God to love you any less than he does right now. You see, God's love for you is not contingent on your behavior. God's love for me is not contingent on my behavior. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't earn God's love. You don't earn God's love. No, no. God loves me because he loves me. <laughs> I can't explain that. He, he just loves me. In 1917, a man by the name of Frederick Lehman penned the word to a song. Many of you would know the tune to this song, but I, I just want to read the lyrics of the song for you. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. When hoary time shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall. When men who, were, uh, when men who here refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call. God's love so sure uh, shall still endure all measureless and strong. Redeeming grace to Adam's race, the saints and angels' song. Mr. Lehman penned those words uh, almost 100 years ago now, 1917, when those words were penned. Beautiful words, wonderful words about the love of God. But somehow the song wasn't complete. Until one day, uh, Mr. Lehman, he wrote those first two verses, and, and one day uh, someone gave him a, a, a piece of paper, and on that paper were scratched these words. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. And Mr. Lehman looked at those words and said, man, those are beautiful words. Those words are incredible words. Where did you find those words? They were found, scribbled on the wall, of an insane asylum and discovered only after the one who had occupied the room where it was found was carried to his grave. And someone said, Mr. Lehman, I thought you might appreciate that because I think it goes beautifully with the other words that you wrote to this song. Someone who was, someone who was locked away, so to speak, and separated from society in an insane asylum, someone who was discarded from the rest of the world and, 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 and uh, really written off, oh, that, that's, that's the crazy guy right there. He wasn't real crazy because he said, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made where every stalk on earth a quill and every man ascribed by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Hey, he was on to something. Yeah. He was on to something. He understood one thing, God loves me. God loves me. Hey, the message is simple this morning. The great God of heaven loves you. He loves you. You'll never hear any better message than that.
I want to share with you several thoughts. We'll be done very simply. Number one, the love of God confounds our senses. The love of God confounds our senses. Hey, there's a lot of things in this life I don't understand. I'm not the brightest bulb in the box or the sharpest knife in the drawer. There's a lot of things I don't understand. Hey, I don't know. I don't care how sharp you are. I don't care how intellectual you are. You'll never comprehend nor grasp entirely the love of God. You just can't do it. You can't put it in a test tube. You can't, you can't create some kind of a scientific formula to explain it. No, God loves you simply because he loves you. I'll be honest with you. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me. When you look at the character of Almighty God and compare it to my character, it makes no sense why God would love me. When you look at, what he, at his holiness and his perfection and his righteousness and, and, and he's the, the, the great God of heaven, uh, hey, none of it makes sense that why, he would, why he would even think about me. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 9. He said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? It doesn't make sense. Why would God even think about me, much less love me? I want you to see number two. Not only does the love of God confound our senses, but number two, the love of God comforts our sorrows. The love of God comforts our sorrows. May I remind all of us this morning about the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. You need not turn to it for the sake of time, but Jesus, of course, was good friends with, with Lazarus and Mary and Martha, and he had visited them on several occasions. Uh, you know, the, the Gospels suggest to us that uh, many times as Jesus was passing through that area of Bethany, he would stop there at the home of, of Lazarus and Mary and Martha, and, and they were good friends, and he would fellowship with them and, and commune with them from time to time. Uh, Mary and Martha called for Jesus one day. They said, Jesus, you better come quick because Lazarus is very sick. He's very sick. And Jesus, if you're going to, uh, we know that if, if you come, you can take care of whatever it is that's bothering Lazarus. You can touch his body. You can heal him. Uh, by the way, uh, Jesus did that a lot. And, uh, and they said, Jesus, would you come quickly? Well, Jesus, knowing everything, he knew what was going to happen. And he knew that he was going to get <coughs> excuse me, excuse me, more, uh, more glory uh, if he would, would wait a while because he knew what was going to unfold. And, and uh, well, in the meantime, before Jesus ever got to Bethany, Lazarus died. Lazarus passed away. In John chapter 11, verse number 33, the Bible says, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Did you see that? The Son of God. Jesus Christ. God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, the one who, who uh, by, all, by him all things consist, according to Colossians chapter 1, <clears throat> the great God of creation. It says here, he saw Mary weeping, he saw Martha weeping, and the Jews that came also with her, and it says that he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Hey, the love of God comforts our sorrows. It goes on to say in verse 34, <clears throat> and said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And in that very famous John chapter 11, verse number 35, don't miss the context of it, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. In verse 36, then said the Jews, don't miss it, behold how he loved him. Did you see that? The Jews, when they saw Jesus weeping, when they saw his compassion for Mary and Martha, he knew what was about to happen. Hey, he wasn't weeping. Don't miss it. He wasn't weeping for Lazarus. He knew the rest of the story. 
Paul Harvey wasn't there, by the way. And, uh, <clears throat> but uh, he, uh, he knew what was about to happen. He knew what was about to unfold. He knew what he was about to do. But yet when he saw their weeping, when he saw their, the, the fact that they were mourning and they were sorrowing, it touched the heart of the Savior. And the Bible says Jesus wept. And then said the Jews, behold how he loved them. You know, the love that Jesus had for these folks was obvious to those who were watching. It was obvious. There was no question uh, of how Jesus felt for Mary and Martha uh, and, and, and the compassion that was shown to them. And in spite of the fact that Jesus knew what was about to happen, he mourned for them. And he wept with them. Can I remind all of us this morning, the love of God comforts us in our sorrows. There are people in this room this morning, you've got a heavy heart. There are folks here this morning, <clears throat> yeah, you, there, there's a heavy load that you carry. The burden is tough this week. Uh, some of you got bad news this week, and some of you, 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 you went to the doctor and, and you didn't hear what you wanted to hear, and, and, uh, or, or some of you, you have broken relationships that you're dealing with, and, and, and you can go right down the list of burdens that people carry, and I don't know what yours specifically is in many cases, but I do know this, there's a God who loves you. There's a God who loves you. And the love of God comforts us in our sorrows. I don't know what your hurt is, and you may not be at liberty to talk about your hurt, but know this, God knows. God knows. The love of God confounds our senses. The love of God comforts us in our sorrows. And I want you to see number three, the love of God covers our sins. The love of God covers our sins. In Jeremiah chapter 31 the prophet here is speaking to God's people, and he says in verse number 3, The Lord hath appeared of, of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Wait a minute. Who was Jeremiah speaking to here? Jeremiah was speaking to a group of backslidden God's people. He was talking to a group of folks who had strayed away from God, a group of people who had sinned against God, a group of people who were living wicked lives, a group of people who had, uh, who had forsaken God and His Sabbaths and His laws and, and had turned their backs on God, and yet notice the language that God gives to Jeremiah to relate to His people. Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. You talking about these people that turned their back on them? Yep. You're talking about the people, you're talking about God's chosen people who had thumbed their nose at God and said, we don't want any part of your laws. We don't want any part of your Sabbaths. We don't want any part of your rules. We don't want any part of your regulations. We don't want any part of, 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 of commandments and statutes and, and ordinances that you've given us. And as Jeremiah, even in the middle of pronouncing judgment upon God's people, God said, wait a minute, Jeremiah, let me give you a message to remind my people. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. May I say to all of us this morning, <clears throat> there are times in, in my life and there will be times in your life when you won't be as close to God as what you should be. There will be times in your life, <clears throat> even as a child of God, when you're going to displease your Heavenly Father. There are going to be times in your life when you're going to stray away from His will. Hey, I love, the, I love what the, the, uh, the, uh, the words that the songwriter penned. There may have been times when, I'd have been, when I have been out of His will, but there has never been a time when I'll be out of His care. There are folks all over this room, <clears throat> there have been times in your life, there are times in my life, hey, the Christian life is, is ups and downs. Ups and downs. 
None of us are what we ought to be all the time. That's the reality, okay? All right? If you have arrived, see me after service. I'd like to talk to you, okay? <laughs> I'd like to interview you and take some notes, and you'll be preaching tonight at 6 o'clock. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> if you have arrived, please let me know. But the truth is, none of us have. None of us have. And there are times when we are closer to God than at, than at other times. But hey, let me tell you some good news this morning. There's never a time when God doesn't love you. You know, any parent in this room this morning can relate to this. You're going to love your kid no matter what. You know, in, uh, in 21 years of, of uh, now 22, 23 years of ministry uh, as, as youth pastor and now as pastor, I've talked to, I've talked to many, many parents who have been brokenhearted and have said, have said, you know, I just don't understand why he won't listen. I just don't understand what's wrong with her. I don't understand, you know, what, what, where did I go wrong? And, and uh, you know, I, you know can you please help me? And one thing I try to always remind both parents who come to me, myself as a parent, you know, regardless of what those five kids do that call me dad, regardless of where they go or what they do, they belong, they're, they're mine. I understand they belong to the Lord, but hey, your kid will always be your kid. Doesn't matter what they do. Yeah, hey, will they break your heart? They may. Will they do things that you would prefer they not do? Certainly, that's, that, hey, that, that's just part of it. But what I'm saying is, <clears throat> why don't we take a lesson from the Lord and say, hey, my kid, he may break my heart. He may turn his back on everything he's ever been taught, but he's my kid and I'll always love him. Can I tell you that's how God feels about us? That's how God feels about us. There will never be a time when God, when, when you will be out of the care of your Heavenly Father. You may be out of His will, but you'll not be out of His care. I want you to see also in addition to the fact that the love of God comforts us in our sorrows. The love of God confounds our senses. The love of God covers our sins. I want you to see number four, the love of God compels our service. The love of God compels our service. I direct your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 14. The Bible says this, For the love of Christ constraineth us. For the love of Christ constraineth us. You know, if you read the context of that passage, you find <clears throat> where, where there's, there's some talk about the second coming, uh, the, uh, the uh, judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. And boy, that ought to motivate us to do what we ought to do. But you know, the fact that God loves me ought to, ought to motivate me to do what he asked me to do as well. The fact that God himself would think upon me and not only, not only provide salvation, we'll talk about that in just a few moments, but, but provide for my needs and take care of me and all the things that, that, that our God does for us, but the love of God ought to compel me to do something for him. The love of God ought to, ought to constrain me to bow before him and say, God, my life is yours. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to say, God, I'm all yours. Lock, stock, and barrel. You know, people have said, Preacher, you know, why should I, why should I serve the Lord? We quoted the verse a little while ago. The Bible says, we love him because he first loved us. Because he first loved us. Think about that. Because he first loved me, that ought to compel me to love him. And not just pay lip service kind of love to him. I'm talking about a love that says, God, send me anywhere. God, I'll do anything. 
God, it doesn't matter what you ask me to do. It doesn't matter. Hey, whatever it is, God, I'm all yours. The love of God compels me to service. Compels me to do something for him. Hey, I don't know who you are. I don't know what your talents are, what your abilities are. But understand something. God's got something for you to do. There's something that you can do that would, in a tangible way, hey, I'm not talking about earning your salvation. You can't do that. We'll discuss that in just a minute. There's nothing that can be done for you to earn your way to heaven. I'm talking to folks now that are saved and say, and I want you to just think about the fact that God loves you. Hey, have you shown him lately that you love him? How have you gone out of your way lately to say, God, I just want you to see, God, I can tell you all day that I love you. It's kind of like the guy, he had his girlfriend, and they were in their early 20s, and this guy was really nervous about asking this girl to marry him, and, uh, but he wanted to prove to his girlfriend how much he, he loved her, and, and he, said, uh, <clears throat> he said, baby, I just want you to know I love you. She said, that's good. He said, I would climb the highest mountain for you. She said, oh, that's wonderful. He said, baby, <clears throat> I, 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 would, I would swim the deepest ocean for you. You know I would. Oh, that's wonderful. And he said, if it doesn't rain, I'll be at your house tomorrow night. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, sometimes we, we're guilty of, we know how to play the lip service game. We know how to tell God, hey, God, I love you. And, and, uh, and, and we know all the right things to say, but do our actions back up our words? Does how we live verify what we say? The love of Christ compels our service. And I want you to see the last thing this morning. Very simply, the love of Christ catered our salvation. The love of Christ catered our salvation. God's justice and God's holiness demanded that our sins be paid for. Heaven is not just a good place for good people. Heaven is a perfect place for perfect people. And therein lies a problem for all of us because we're not perfect. (laughs) We're not perfect. I can't earn my way to heaven today. As I, as I look at my condition as a sinner, and I look at myself compared to the glory of God, I'm reminded of Romans chapter 3, verse number 23, where the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God's glory is way up there. I can't even see it. It's so far uh, above my head, and I'm way down here. I've fallen so far short of what God's justice is and what God's holiness is and what God's righteousness is, and I I can't earn my way to heaven. There's no way. There's no way. And as sinners, you and I are under the condemnation of our sins. We read the verse a moment ago, John chapter 3, verse number 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Hey, I'm under the condemnation of, of, of my sins. There's no way I can get to heaven on my own. Wait a minute. God loved me. God loved me. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. We sang it just a while ago. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span on Calvary. Hey, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The love of God bridged the gap. The love of God is what allows me to get to heaven because God's justice says you're condemned. God's holiness says, I'm sorry, you don't measure up. God's righteousness compared to my righteousness, the Bible says all my righteousness is like filthy rags. But God loved me. God loved me. Hey, if you're here this morning and you're unsure of heaven, God loves you. 
God loves you. I said it at the beginning of the message. <clears throat> it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how you got here. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter what your, so, your social standing is. It doesn't matter. None of those things matter. I'm simply saying God loves you. You can't explain it, but boy, you ought to accept it. You can't figure it out, but you ought to rejoice in it this morning. Hey, if you're here as a child of God and you say, oh, preacher, you know, I've wandered far away from God. God loves you. If you're here sorrowing this morning, God loves you. If you're here this morning and you need to be sure of heaven, if you're unsure of your eternal destiny, God loves you. How much does he love you? For God so loved. So loved. I don't know how much that so encompasses, but you really can't explain it. Just to say, he so loved us. He so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hey, I'm simply saying this morning, you don't need to die and burn in a lake of fire forever. You don't need to leave here this morning unsure of heaven. You don't need to walk away from here with, the, with that heavy load of sin that you carried in the door this morning. I'm simply saying, there's a God in heaven who loves you, and he's, he wants to take you to heaven. How much did he love you? He did something amazing. He sent his only begotten son. Now, if that doesn't say, if that doesn't scream, I love you, I don't know what does. There's not a parent in this room who would give your son or your daughter in exchange for someone else's life. Not a one of us. Not a one of us. You know why? That's the love of a parent. But that's exactly what God did for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God gave the dearest thing that he had so that you could go to heaven. God gave the dearest relationship that he had so that you might have eternal life. So that he could bridge that gap between your sin and his salvation. Hey, God loves you this morning. And if you die and go to hell, it won't be God's fault. He's done everything necessary. The love that drew salvation's plan. Jesus came and, and, and lived a sinless life, was born in Bethlehem's manger, lived 33 and a half years of sinless, perfect years, laid down his life on Calvary's cross and, and bled and died. And, and, uh, and, and that, that, that death was substitutionary for my death so that I wouldn't have to go to hell. And it was substitutionary for your death so that you wouldn't have to go to hell. All you need to do is come to the Savior. Come to the Savior. Understand that you're a sinner under the condemnation of your own sins and understand that Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection, paid for your sins on the cross. And you can have eternal life. God loves you. God loves you. I can't think of a greater theme than the love of God. The love of God. Whatever your condition is, saved, lost, backslidden perhaps, hurting, sorrowing, mourning, Whatever it is, there's a God in heaven who loves you. He loves you and wants to minister that love to you in a unique way this morning, if you'll let him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eyes closed.